Lassie, and welcome to my corner of the universe, a space where I connect with other beings to talk about the events and experiences that shape us. In this episode, my friend Kana shares a deeply personal experience that happened about 10 years ago. Part of her story touches on harassment and emotional abuse. If this is triggering for you, please skip this one and I'll catch you next week. Anyway, yeah, thank you for holding like the space. I think no it'll problem. really help me um, process whatever has happened. It's been a while. It's been like nine years since all of this happened, but I think it's about time I like open up about it because I've only talked to mostly therapists about it and a couple of friends know. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Thanks for wanting to share with me. So whenever <laughs> you're ready, feel free to start. Yeah, so um, both you and I finished um, IGCSE, which is our grade 10, like in 2010, right? Was it 2010? Yeah, yeah so mid-2010, 2010. we graduated. I was 16 at the time. And then I went to a co- like a local college in Penang for a couple of months to do like a pre-med course. Because my parents were like, you have to do medicine. <laughs> But I just didn't want to be a doctor, like kind of grossed me out. I did an, an internship at a hospital and I was like, oh my God, blood. <laughs> so I just quit and I was really miserable. So um, I like begged them to let me go to uh, KL, which is the capital city, but they weren't too happy about it. And then um, someone from our community, he's like, a, uh, I want to say family friend, but I would call him Anna, which means brother. So we were really close at the time. We were good friends. And, um, you know, I looked up to him. He was a year older than me. So my parents were like, okay, if he's going somewhere, you guys can go together. So he was going to KL to study. Uh, I think he was doing engineering at the time. And I was like, okay, I'll do the same thing. I didn't even know what I was going to do. But I was like, I'll just join architectural engineering because it has some architecture in it. And I always loved architecture. So both of us moved to KL early 2021, um, 2011. Oh, wow. It's been such a long time. (laughs) So he lived in the boys' side of the dorm. And then I lived in the girls' side. Like, we'd go to classes together. We studied together. We were all pretty, like, a close-knit group um, of four to five of us. And I was, like, his best friend. He was my best friend and all that. I remember this day so clearly in um, mid-2021. We 2021? I keep saying 2021. I'm so sorry. That's okay. 2011? <laughs> 2011. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nine years ago. So I was 17 at the time. Yeah. So we went out for dinner, a bunch of us. And then I had an argument with somebody. And then I was like, I just want to go back home. So I came back to my dorm room, turned off the lights. And I started getting these blank calls just random calls like somebody would call from an unknown number I would pick up they wouldn't say anything and then they would just hang up and I just ignored it because sometimes you receive spam calls right so I just ignored it and then it went on went on every day and they would call even at like three in the morning four in the morning naturally you know you just ignore it and then um, a couple of days later my parents called me and they were like we've started receiving these calls and I was like what that's so random Um, And they just ignored it the first few times. I think a couple of weeks, maybe like, yeah, 10, 14 days later, um, we started getting, though they started getting random letters 
from you know no from address they just started getting letters saying random stuff about me it was like your daughter's always out partying she's out at night with boys just the complete like randomest shit you could think of like she's not studying she's wasting her life away you should bring her back to Penang stuff like that and they were they were like so freaked out they were like why is somebody doing this but then they were kind of um happy that it wasn't like nobody knew about it it was just us like they knew and then I knew nobody else knew you know saving face <laughs> so they were like okay th- okay we'll just deal with it like these guys have no balls you know like they're not gonna do anything crazy so they just ignored it for the first couple of weeks and then they kept getting calls at night um at like three four in the morning they'd be like your daughter's out of this club or something like that these guys would say random things and immediately they would call me and I wouldn't pick up because it would be like a weeknight and I would, I'd have classes the next morning right so I just wouldn't pick up the phone and they'd be like oh I think you were out they got a little suspicious they were like they I think they couldn't trust they didn't know who to trust basically they knew their daughter wasn't that kind of girl but then when you, somebody's constantly saying this to you and you don't even know who the person is they it got a little bit out of hand and they kept hacking me all the time like they would hack all my social media accounts um emails on a daily basis like literally I would go change the password and the next day it'd be like you're locked out of your account somebody has gotten into your account and things like that it was so crazy and I was so young like I had no idea what was going on it was all like really scary and um I was also not really happy in that engineering program, like the pre-engineering thing. So I switched majors to architecture because I was like, okay, maybe one of my friends is doing it in the engineering program. So I needed to stay away from people. So I switched over to architecture and it just kept going on. The calls, the letters and everything kept going on. And um, we went to a university called Taylor's University. I don't know if you've seen pictures of the university, but it's like, ceiling to floors mm-hmm. fully glass mm-hmm. and at that at a point I think it was like maybe July or August of 2011 <laughs> they started taking pictures of me at random places in college at like restaurants or like if I was anywhere I wouldn't even go out to restaurants to be honest because I was at this point I was already really scared of like if I was out somewhere I didn't want to be photographed and but I would still go to the grocery store like to buy some I wasn't really cooking, but I would still buy fruits and stuff. So people would take photos of me and I had no idea who was doing this. I was constantly so paranoid. I like cut off everybody out of my life because I had no idea who was doing it. So anybody I knew pre-2011, I cut them off out of my life. I stopped using social media. I stopped using like anything on my phone that had internet. I I would only SMS people, like message people. Because I was so paranoid that people were um, hacking into my phone and things. And then it got to a point where my parents were like, they had no idea what was going on. They were like so confused. They were like, okay, my mom's moving to KL to live with you. So she moved. They took me out of the dorms and I, like we moved into a condo, like into an apartment. It was just me and her. So she would be with me pretty much 24-7. I had one friend in this new architecture program, right? Um, and, you know, I didn't know her pre-2011, so it was okay. So my mom would literally, like, drop me one minute before the class and pick me up right after because she was, like, paranoid about um, if I was going out or, like, if somebody's taking pictures of me or if it's unsafe, like, somebody's going to kidnap me or things like that. 
as you would be if, if this was happening to your daughter, right? And um, she wouldn't let me go anywhere because she was so scared. And we just would just stay in that little apartment all the time. And if I ever go down to the convenience store or anything like that, I would get photographed. And I would keep like looking around to see if anybody was there, but nobody would be there. And we couldn't tell anyone because um, like, you know, and I didn't tell my friends either because like even that close friend of mine, I didn't tell her what was going on because I was like scared that these people who are doing it might get tipped off or, you know, they would get suspicious that we might go to the police or something. So we kept it really low. And this kept going on for another month or so. And then in October, my parents were looking for a girl for my brother, like, you know, for arranged marriage. So eventually they found a girl and then we were all gonna go to India for the engagement, but they were so scared. Like they were like, oh no, what if the girl's family finds out? You know, it's a bad, it's a bad thing for the whole family name, things like that. But we went to the engagement, everything was fine. Engagement went well, and then we were visiting one of our uncles, um, my mom's brothers. They pulled me, I remember this day so clearly, they pulled me apart to, pulled me on the side to a room, just my mom, me, my cousin, who actually at the time lived in Australia, and my uncle who lived in India. They were like, hey, Kana, I don't know what's going on, but both of us received letters about you. And they lived in different countries. And we were like, what? Oh my God, that is so crazy. And then they showed us the letters and it was like photoshopped pictures of my face on like another brown girl's body. And she was standing with a group of guys. And it was like, your niece is doing all these crazy things. Like she's gonna get raped. She's always out at night partying. You have to protect her. You have to make her like come back and live with her parents. You have to not let her go to college. Like, there was so much bullshit written on these letters. So this is when, you know, words started getting out. Like, we were like, oh, shit, who else has gotten letters of this kind? We had no idea. Um, thankfully, the engagement went well, and, you know, we came back to Penang. And then uh, one by one, slowly, my parents' friends started saying, hey, we received a letter, too. And it's, like, a very close-knit community. Our community is, like... I think there's only like 100 families in the community and um, the closest of them, like the 10, 20 families were really close to us, started getting letters saying, hey, don't let your daughters talk to Kana because she's a slut or like she's going out all the time. And we tried to reason it like, hey, my mom's living with me, Kana's not going anywhere, she's just going to class and coming back. And um, it was just so crazy. Like everything got out of hand really quickly. Suddenly everybody was talking about me and um, my parents were really paranoid as well because your name and your reputation is like a huge thing in Asia. It's like everything they've worked up to. I remember my parents would always be like, we, we worked up like 50 years just to have this really good name in the community and you're ruining it. And they kind of knew it wasn't my fault, but they were also like, but why is this only happening to you, not anybody else? So we had no idea what to do and they would avoid going to events and gatherings and stuff like that. They were so embarrassed of me. It was like really difficult at that time. And it came to a point where it was just too much. So we went to the police and 
they tried to track these calls and tried to track the letters. Like we got some of the letters from other people and gave it to the police, but it, there was just nothing you could do. They were like, you can't find any fingerprints on them. And there was no, obviously no from address. The calls were all blank calls and the calls they could trace back were all like um, public phone booths around the country. And some of them were like in different states of like some of them in Malacca or like Johor. And so it was definitely not one person who was doing it. It was like a bunch of people. So we were, we was just like going insane. Everybody was going crazy over the whole thing. And at, at one point, my parents were just like, okay, you know what, you're not going to go live away from us, just come back to Penang, I don't think it's safe for you to stay in KL. So they moved me back, uh, I think it was late October, or maybe early November of the same year, 2011. I moved back to Penang, I wrapped up the semester a little bit early. So luckily, I finished the semester. <laughs> so I didn't waste too much time there. But then I came back and the calls reduced, but the letters, um, I believe they kept still going out, just not as often as maybe like once a week and less people, it was the same people were getting the letters again and again. So we kind of had an idea how the how they were getting the addresses because the community, the Chitya community has like a phone book, like a yellow page phone book where all our information is in it, like the kids' names, the addresses, phone numbers, email IDs, everything is in there. So I think that's how they got all the information. So we kind of knew it must have been somebody from the community or they had some sort of connection to the community because they knew how important saving face was in the community. Um, and if anybody visited the house during that time, those two months, I would just lock myself in the room because my parents, one, my parents were so embarrassed of me. Two, I didn't even want to see anybody because they would ask questions. So my parents wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't go anywhere. We would just stay at home all the time. And there's a lot of like guilt tripping. Like, are you talking to someone? Like they would check my room. Like, what are you doing? Maybe it's you. There's a lot of like shaming going on. And I myself was like, why is this only happening to me? While all my friends are in college, they're living their happy lives. There were girls who were way worse than me, like, you know, who were partying or taking drugs and they were all fine, but this was only happening to me. It was just a lot for me to process during that time. Um, so my parents were like, they involved me a little bit more in the temple, so. <laughs> I think that's when I started praying and I was like, maybe this will help, like last resort, let's just pray and hope things will be better. So that's when I like started believing in God and like maybe a little bit, I got a little bit spiritual, hoping that would help. It did not. <laughs> but um, I also started volunteering at a blind school in Penang. I don't know if you know St. Nicholas. So I would go there every day. My parents would drop me off, pick me up. I would just, you know, play with the blind kids and help them out in the office and stuff. I think that kind of helped me keep busy, not just, you know, locked up in my room. But the letters still kept coming on to my parents, even in January of 2012, but not really anybody else. Well, not that we know of. <laughs> um, they still kept coming on to my parents um, and it was just more pictures they already had from my old social media accounts and because they weren't taking pictures of me in Penang, but just old pictures. They would Photoshop it, say more random stuff. Like I saw her in St. Nicholas and the blind school. 
<laughs> and my parents at this point they were like fed up they were they just you know they, they ignored it basically but they still w- weren't sure what to let me do they couldn't just keep me home all the time and there wasn't really a place in Penang where I could continue that course so they were like okay you're gonna go to KL but we're not gonna tell anybody and uh, well no they told people that I was going back to KL but they didn't tell anyone where I was going to so they put me in a new college and they didn't tell anybody like they didn't tell my brother even for example it was all really crazy like it was a super secretive mission <laughs> they moved me into this new dorm hostel and all my new friends had no idea what was going on so I transferred into this college and hoping to finish that course that program um, and then what happened my parents were still getting occasional calls and letters once I moved to the new college, but then these people had no new material because <laughs> they had no no idea where I was. And I remember at this time, I was really paranoid. Like if I was walking down the street, I would keep turning around to see if somebody was following me. I knew they had no idea where I was, but I think in my head, it was still like, these guys could get me wherever I go. Um, but we kind of just needed it to stop, like 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 why are they doing this to us you know so I I was in the new college and a couple of months later we were like okay we have to do something about it we have to find at least find out who's doing it so the police couldn't help us so we decided like as a last resort go to an Indian astrologer and um I had I believed in none of this nonsense at the time um these guys so this guy in particular does something called myjosium which is like they have a beetle leaf and then they'll put a little black thing on it I think it's I don't know if it's kajal or coal or something of that sort they'll put this little black stuff on it and you can start seeing images on the beetle leaf they literally show you and like your face would come on the little beetle leaf it's like the craziest thing it was so bizarre (laughs) And I, I really didn't believe any of it because I thought he was like drawing it on. But he would show you right in front of your eyes. Like you could see the images moving and stuff. The the black ink would move to make little images. Um, I remember when we sat down, he was like, I know you don't believe in these things, Kana. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you something only you know and your parents don't know. And I'm going to block them out of this conversation. And he did exactly that. He told me something really personal that nobody knew. And it was like, my parents didn't hear it for like a good one and a half minutes. They had no hearing power. I was like pretty amazed and also, you know, like it was just really bizarre. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe this guy knows some things. He can see some things <laughs> in the past or future. So um, then he started the whole process. And I remember it was kind of expensive, but... <laughs> You know, you got to do what you got to do. And he started, um, that's his whole, like, he has all these mantras and things he did. And eventually these images started coming on the beetle leaf and he showed us. And he said it was that guy that I moved to KL with initially, that brother guy. Like, he was in our community, the close friend. He said that there were, he had like 10 or 12 other people who were working with him or for him and he would pay them. He was just a college student. I had no idea how he paid them. 
to stalk me and like hack me and these guys were professional hackers like they were going to college for to hack and study computer science and stuff and um just to rewind back to mid 2011 let me tell you a little backstory there so remember i said i had an argument with somebody i think yeah yeah the, the call started coming yeah the call started yeah. that argument with was with this guy okay and um he that day he told me he loved me he was like i want to marry you in the future i was like what what you're like my brother i i literally call you anna all the time i i saw him as a real like close brother and i was like there's no way this is going to happen i slapped him and then i walked away uh... and the same night the call started so all of this apparently was like revenge so, so he was- basically- what wanted to isolate you so that he could be the savior to offer to marry you and then you'd be his or some twisted pathology i have no idea idea what he was thinking like to ruin my name or like our family's name and then maybe he thought he could stoop like step in somehow and save me but i have no idea but once we found out i think he always thought he wouldn't get caught well we didn't really get catch him with any evidence <laughs> but we just sort of found out from the astrologer and then um, my parents called his parents up because you know we're all in the same community they like really respect my parents so they came over with him I have one question so yeah. his parents never got letters about you no okay yeah so well I uh, so but they've heard of it they heard that other people were getting letters they were, they just didn't get them I guess so his whole family came back uh sorry i mean they came to our house we all sat down had a good meeting about it we were like my parents were like this is what's going on this is what the astrologer said and they were like why are you believing in astrologers our son did not do this like they were hands down like no way our son would do this he's such a golden boy he's the best son in the world he took care of kind of all those months when they lived in the dorms they would study get together blah 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 at one point though i looked him in the eye and i was like are you gonna say something because he just never spoke the entire time and he let it slip like he was like but you hurt me too that's all he said and then his mom goes Shh, don't say that <laughs> and it was just so obvious that it was him because he he said he blurted it out he was like but you really hurt me too so at that point everybody kind of knew and they kept denying it but everyone kind of like you know they they knew it was him and um his parents were like okay this will not go on anymore if it still goes on then i want you to just go to the police you can like make a complaint against our son and we'll see how it goes and the next day onwards there were no more calls there were no more letters everything just stopped it was so bizarre because we went through this whole thing for like a good eight nine months and then it suddenly just stopped after talking to his family so it was kind of like closure but but you know i was still pretty traumatized by the whole thing my parents were really hurt uh their reputation was down the drain and i felt like i put my family's reputation down the drain so it's just a lot to process and um obviously uh, we stopped completely stopped talking to that family it was a little bit messy people found out 
some people believed it was him some people believed it was all my fault word just sort of spread like fire yeah and I think since then because everyone thought of me in such a negative way and a lot of people believed all this bullshit you know whatever was written on the letters so I think everything I've done from then till now there has been this unconscious effort of me to present myself as this like good girl oh you got married to who your parents showed you and like I did really well in college after that like got my master's and got an arranged marriage and you know I feel like a lot of things I try to repair that reputation or like there are people who still even today they'd be like oh yeah Kana has changed so much you know if you if she can do it you can do it <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> but I definitely have PTSD from it there's a lot even now like I'm very paranoid about who follows me on Instagram or like um, who I give my email ID to or where, my, where I put my surname on the internet and I keep my friends list like really small and I think even until a year ago I completely believed that all this I deserved all this and that took a long time for me to unlearn like from therapy and you know psychiatrists and stuff because um, it's hard to understand why something happens to you but not everybody else yeah oh my gosh that's a lot of things and you were so young as well like yeah which is incredibly young and so traumatic and also like how do you even trust the world after that when a close friend ends up being the person to completely like destroy you yeah not just me but also like my parents yeah 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 that's really twisted and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that that is some crazy shit it's it's horrible it's horrible it's unforgivable and I'm glad you're still here because I think a lot of people going through that might feel like maybe it's better if they're not around especially once you factor in family shame yeah definitely there were times I was definitely like it would be better if I just fell off this building um but my parents were somewhat supportive in a way they were like we know it's not your fault but somehow it's all happening um I don't know it was all a very confusing time but yeah, you're right. Uh, for years, I had trouble trusting anybody other than my parents. Like, yeah. I wouldn't talk properly to anyone. Well, it would be just so, like, how do you reconcile, like, someone that close to you, a family, friend, a trusted member of your life yeah. doing that to you, right? Um, I'm, I'm just so sorry that that happened. But I'm really <laughs> glad that you are still here and you've got <laughs> 10 years almost 10 years later that you're still here and uh, I hope he is miserable I hope he has a shit life um I hope he is tormented by all of these horrible things and uh, I hope he never lives it down (laughs) he doesn't deserve to that's horrific I don't care if he's just as young as we are but like that is just no like there is a line and you know no you I can't like I can't forgive something like that that's ridiculous yeah, it's really hard for me as well. Like, I only recently I'm like, maybe I should forgive him. Like, that thought has started coming into my yeah. head. But 
it's been a while and he is also about to get married and stuff um so I'm like maybe I need to forgive him but then I could never like if I put myself in his shoes I could never even think about doing this to someone yeah I was just gonna say like sure like when you're young like you know I feel like now that I'm older I personally have a better like ability to regulate my emotions and like anger towards someone yeah but and like even if you wanted to be that mean to someone you might be mean to them for like a day (laughs) (laughs) you know and then be like be completely irrational or you're weak and then it would you just like yeah to go on like almost a year of tormenting someone and their family yeah and I kind of wish um if he wanted to take revenge he could have just done it with me personally mm-hmm. like he could have been angry with me not like go and tell people about random like rumors about me well, and he spread. probably in some twisted way like knew that you'd have to have an arranged marriage right and he probably thought like if he sullied your name everywhere then he'd be yeah. the only suitor and so he'd still get which is like how fucked up is that honestly yeah <laughs> oh and he is he our age or is he older because you call him anna so i assume he's older he was just a year older okay just, okay yeah he's like 90 born oh so he's my age <laughs> okay oh yeah yeah you're right <laughs> okay. but yeah i mean I don't know how do kids who are like 17 and 18 even think of all this well he did um like the astrologer did say that he had like an older uncle who was about 24 25 helping him out with the hacking and stuff so it was like a whole family (laughs) ordeal that's just so crazy yeah how was your relationship with your parents like through all of this because like I think that's when it got really complicated because they uh, until that point they were like pretty trusting of me and then they had no idea what was going on they would constantly keep checking on me they would keep call me all the time like once I moved back to KL you know to that new college they would keep checking in with me they would randomly drop by they wouldn't even tell me they would just show up on like my doorstep and be like surprise on a Saturday night <laughs> to make sure I was home and things yeah. like that um but I myself was very paranoid. I would not go out with friends and stuff because it was just, I was like scared people would take photos of me. But I think it slowly got better. They like took me, they even came with me to therapy. So um, it slowly did get better. That um, Only when everything ended and we had closure, that's when they were like, okay, this was all completely not your fault. That's when they really believed me. But until then, those like eight, nine months, it was all really confusing. The whole family was like, oh shit, why is this happening to us? Yeah. It's like a big roller coaster, right? <laughs> well, I think even as an adult, like it's really hard to wrap your head around what's happening, right? And like you, like you, I think you even mentioned when you were telling us all that was that like they didn't fully not believe you either. Yeah. Like it was just, I'm sure it's really hard because they're like, what is going on? Like, yeah. I've, I've, I have another friend who is uh, my sister's age, so about 10 years older than me, and she experienced something very similar, but not to this level, where it went on for like nine months. Oh, wow. Like yours is pretty bad, but hers, hers went on for quite a while too. And I know she, like, I don't know as many details as you've just shared about hers. I just know it happened and Mm. she's still very traumatized about it. So yeah, it's it's a lot. And it's messed up. Like, I wonder why she's also South Asian um so I'm it's um was it somebody who like wanted to take revenge 
I honestly, I don't have, it was quite a long time ago. I'm quite a bit younger than her. So I yeah. have a very fragmented piece of it. Um, I'm not really sure what, I know it ended. I know it happened. Yeah. I don't really know any of the other pieces. Um, and I right. gotcha. I think she she does know who did it. Um, yeah. But, um, it's just, I think listening to your story made me remember that this, I know someone else that this has happened to, but I never like knew the, like also when you, I think now that I'm older, I'm able to see like, oh my gosh, like a 17 year old, even like a 30 year old going through this would be crazy. Yeah. If this happened to us now, it would yeah, be like, like oh I my would God. still be really terrified. So imagine being 17 and like, you know, I know you had a really rough time in school as well. So like, you've just had like one traumatic experience yeah. after another, after another. So yeah, that's just, oh gosh. How are yeah. you feeling now? Like, how are you feeling like telling that story? Um my heart's racing yeah yeah it's it's been a while since I've talked about it I think the last time I talked about it was maybe five six years ago yeah um oh no actually I've told my husband about it yeah um but yeah it's it's just um a lot to reinvent yourself after that because all your friends are gone like you have nobody from that time before because if I cut somebody out of my life I couldn't go back to them and be like hey I want to be friends again I trust you now (laughs) so I had to like make new friends and sort of create my whole story all over again while also still battling trust issues because of this insanity that just happened yeah so my new friends had no idea why I wouldn't like tell them where I live yeah they they didn't get why I didn't give them my email id they were like why can't you just give me your email id I'm not gonna do anything yeah it's like um, somebody was dropping me home I would make them drop me a few streets down because I didn't want to it was just crazy to be honest I personally do a lot of these things because (laughs) like ingrained fear from like bring a brown girl in Asia Mm, of like I'd never let anyone until Colin moved here I never let anyone drop me off in front of my building I would always give them a different address like a street away a block away and I just walk the like two seconds to my own place like I would never let a not a friend I mean like cabs or like Ubers and stuff oh, like, yeah, always, right. like for friends I, I wasn't that uh, worried about friends but like yeah and uh, never giving out email addresses or always having multiple email addresses the one that yeah. you give friends <laughs> and then the one that you actually use so this is a normal brown girl thing I had no idea <laughs> I don't think it's normal I don't think it's normal but I think because of the incident that happened in my childhood with my friend or like family friend Mm-hmm. I just like hearing about it quite young and like already learning that things like this can happen just yeah. like no one explicitly told me but I think I like internalized it by being like okay and you know it's on top of all the layers of like don't dress a certain way you'll attract unnecessary attention people will follow you home and like that was a big thing for my parents like you know when they let me move here or like when they had to come to peace with me moving here I guess mm-hmm. I think that was something that like while I felt like I, I kind of on one side it's like I knew I was probably a lot safer here than I would be in Malaysia because yeah because culturally it's very different here but at mm. the same time like when you're taught and raised with all these things for like two decades it's still there in your body all of these things um, yeah and I definitely friends would be like when someone would cab home with me I'd be like we can go to your house and I'll walk back from your house but you can't come to my house like we're going to stop at the middle <laughs> Like this camera oh is not dropping because also here, like this, this is gonna come across racist, and I know that. But like most of the drivers, the cab drivers here, are South Asian men. Mm. Like I just couldn't. Like I was like, I can't. If it was like an 
on the rare occasion it was an Asian person, I'd be like, that's fine. Like an East Asian person. <laughs> Almost, it's, I've never had a white cab driver. <laughs> and I don't know if I would have dealt with it differently if it was. And there's no women yeah. either. So it's mm-hmm. just one of those things that I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's all these like ideas we've got in our head. Like you said, it's like in your body, literally, you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, sometimes if, oh my God, it actually still happens to me now if I'm without Colin, which like is, I feel like I'm also like developing some codependency because I'm used to him being here and he's a white man. (laughs) And I get treated very differently when I'm out in the world with him versus when I'm not with him. You're using Um, that like secondhand privilege. Oh, 100%. Like I don't feel unsafe anytime I'm out with him ever. Like I don't, I feel completely fine, which was actually because I've lived here for so long, right? Like I've lived here for since Mm. 2012. He only arrived in 2019. So I lived here for a long time. Yeah. You know, maneuvering the city and the space by myself. But like all of those little things, like going out in the dark, all of these little things that I like generally would avoid doing. With him, I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, but uh, I wonder if it, Sorry, I wonder if it um, would be the same if he was a brown man or like a black I man. It's the man part. That I think it's the man part. A lot of comfort. I don't think it has to do with him being white. Yeah. Like, it's two things, right? We get looked at a lot more. I don't think he's noticed it yet. But like, you know, people do look at biracial couples more. Yeah. Than, you, you draw attention, whether it's positive or negative um and on the other hand like when I'm out alone with him like sometimes I go to I do the Costco run alone and then I take an uber back and if the driver goes a different route than what I'm used to I instantly will like call him (laughs) and be like I'm two minutes away (laughs) (laughs) and it's just these things that I'm like I don't know where this is coming from because I've never actually had a traumatic experience personally but I think it's either I had seen other people go through it or experience yeah. it or mm-hmm. it, it also that plus the layer of like you know my mom was a single mom so it was just all of us women in the house and like there was also all of her fears layered onto me since I was very young and like all of these stack up and I'm like I actually like I don't nothing has actually happened to me but there's <laughs> a trauma in my body from things that I'm just yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah speaking of things your mom can pass you on oh like... my god <laughs> This experience, um, this was when all of my dressing stuff started like, oh, you cannot wear sleeveless. Mm. People are going to take photos of you. And or like, you was can't wear shorts. Was during this period when all yeah. the Before up. that, they were, I mean, they were conservative, but they weren't so, they, were, they would never say things like, don't wear shorts. Boys are going to look at your legs mm. or, you know, stuff like that. But this is when it really escalated. They were like, you have to wear something that has sleeves. It can't be too low of a neck. Yeah, it can't yeah, be yeah. like too short. People are going to take pictures of you or they're going to say you're a slut, things like yeah, that. They would literally tell me these things. They'd be like, you cannot oh, buy that. I mean, not to dismiss your feelings on it, but like I was raised with that rhetoric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I don't know if it's because, like, I think a couple of my aunts have experienced sexual assault before, and they're like in my parents' generation. And I'm not sure if that is what influenced my mom and how she raised us, because she was like, "I know these things happen; they've happened to people very close." Raising to us. two girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, like, I think interestingly, like, my mom doesn't see herself as a single mom because they're not divorced or separated. But my dad was never oh. around. Like, my mom oh, right. raised us alone. So for me, she very much was a single mom and like 
um, you know, so it was basically like for a long time in my life, it was three of us women in this house alone. Um, and I think she probably really struggled with that. Um, cause she was, she was 32 when I was born. So, you know, not, not, you know, I think for all intents and purposes, 32 is still pretty young. Um, yeah. Especially That's like, you lot. know, she never like lived alone like we did, like going to college and stuff. She went from her parents' house to her husband's house. Mm. So that was really the first time she was like alone, alone and like two small children. And Did you have family nearby, like your grandparents? Yeah, my grandparents lived two blo- like two, a two minute drive away, not very far. But okay. still, like if someone came to our house. Oh, yeah, they can't just run there. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like it would be like a 20 minute walk a two-minute drive you know like they weren't like in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm sure like I've never talked to my mom about it so this is all speculation but I'm sure she went through a lot um yeah trying to function (laughs) yeah and and guide these two little girls yeah and keep us safe and all of that so yeah. yeah your parents definitely like even like I said, like I was so young that like, I actually don't have too, too many memories personally of like super, super young. Um, but I'm sure all of these feelings that I feel came from somewhere uh, about things that I've never even experienced. So <laughs> it's wild, but yeah, the clothes thing. I think we actually, we, we've talked about this when we last spoke. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately we couldn't use the audio, but um, like I still have a hard time wearing clothes with no sleeves or wearing pants oh, yeah. that show yeah. like anything you know knee below out in public which is why <laughs> at home I dress pretty liberally because like it's at home but oh, really I can't even wear sleeveless at home I feel like really shy and my husband's like it's just you and me <laughs> yeah I'm pretty okay in my own house just because like you know for most of 2019 I lived with my cousin who I like grew up with mm-hmm. um and we're the same age and all of that. And like for a while when she first moved to Vancouver, she literally lived in my bedroom for a couple months. So like, you know, it was oh, a bit different. God. And then now it's just Colin. So like, you know, like we've been together since high school. Like he's seen me without clothes on many times. Like, <laughs> like you know, for me, it's like, I'm very desensitized to him, but like, mm. um, you know, yeah. Sleeveless clothes out in the world is very like, I, other than the gym, I don't do it. Mm. <laughs> so you have you're pretty brave to wear to the gym though the women's only gym oh <laughs> I, said, I go at six in the morning it's literally the same like six seven people there every single day like this yeah it took me a I while like- though I didn't like do that the day I started going to the gym it took a while but you oh, right. just get so yeah. sweaty one day and you're like fuck it like <laughs> this is not worth the sleeves <laughs> I always think about like how I would pass some of this stuff on to my children, my mm-hmm. if I, especially if I have girls. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want all this trauma to be passed down, or like I don't want them to feel a little conscious. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, you're working on it, and you're telling me now, and then you know, you're, you've talked to your therapist, your parents know about it, and and you're very aware about it. So even. I, I like to think that our generation will be able to catch ourselves a little bit better than our parents' generation <laughs> because of all the work we've put into ourselves and the awareness yeah. we're trying to build that like, you know, I feel like something that traumatic, like, I don't, I don't know if you can ever recover fully from something like that, but <laughs> yeah, um, but I, yeah, I think you've, you're a really strong person and you've overcome a lot in life, so. 
thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely think I'm like the strongest person I know. <laughs> yeah, like just, and I'm sure there's still more about you that I don't know from before I <laughs> knew you and, you know, since now that we've reconnected, I'm sure there's still a lot more. And so just yeah. the few things you've told me are already pretty uh, big, intense, intense things. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for sharing with me. Yeah, no, thank you for holding this space so I can like sort of process it with somebody who's also, you know, from the same background or like, it's really nice mm. to, well, not nice, but I've never heard of someone who has gone through anything even a little bit similar yeah. to this. So it's just interesting to hear that you've heard of somebody who's yeah. gone through. And jealousy runs deep. Yeah. And like, you know bad. how, like when we spoke the last time we talked about how like, you know, you get it's weird like a bit paranoid about sharing good news with other people mm. because you don't want to jinx it or get the evil eye or whatever on it <laughs> yeah. um yeah like I think this is also kind of where it comes from because it's like you don't want people to know too much about you because then they can come after you if something goes sideways yeah how scary is that how do like... you feel though like knowing that he's about to get married um, it's so strange. I was like, even my mom was like, how did they even find a girl for him? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, exactly. I'm like, well, obviously she doesn't know about all this, but, <laughs> and, you know, they kept denying it. I'm sure they're still, his parents mm-hmm. are still in denial that he did these things. Yeah. Well, I don't I, know. Like, maybe... I had a very, like, I felt my body react when you said that he's about to get married. So yeah. that's why I was just really curious, like, how you feel, like, knowing that. And, like, have you kept in touch with, or, like, not kept in touch, but, like, are you, like, in the loop on, like, his life ever since all of that? Or did you kind of separate yourself? Um, definitely the first few years, I, like, completely, if my parents would even, like, bring up his family, I'm like, don't tell me anything about him. Yeah. But now I'm, they kind of, like, tell me little things. They'd be like, oh, he moved to the U- U.S. too. Or he moved a few years ago. Um. Actually, no, I think he moved the same time I did, which is so crazy. But um, they told me that it didn't really affect me at the time. But him getting married, I was like, wow, like, you know, that's a lot for me to, I mean, it has nothing to do with me now. But still, it's like you're bringing a girl into your life who has no idea what you've done in your past. Yeah. But I guess, I, I don't know, a part of me is like, maybe he's changed. Yeah. Tell me maybe. about the forgiveness piece that you mentioned earlier. You said you've suddenly felt like maybe you should forgive him, like you've had that thought. What is that? Where did that Yeah, come so um, every time I would talk to a therapist about it, I've talked to maybe two or three in the past, and they would always like try to help me process it. And of course. how do you feel now? And, you know, are you? do you have any, um, like I used to have nightmares. Do you yeah. have any of those now or... Do you feel like people are still following you when you're out and about? So I don't feel those things. And last year, one of the one of my therapy sessions was like, who do you want to forgive in your life? And somebody who you've always felt deep anger towards. And I was like, he's the only person I've felt a lot of anger towards. Um, and that's when I was like, maybe I need to slowly find a space where I can forgive him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that's still I don't think I've fully forgiven forgiven him but I'm hoping I'll get there one day where I can like get over this and sort of what does forgiveness feel or look like in this kind of scenario 
Hmm. If you know, I, I only ask because like I have some personal stuff going on right now that like I've tried, I'm just kind of projecting <laughs> onto this because you brought up forgiveness and I'm like, mm, tell me more. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> um, so I don't think about him, but then if somebody brings up his name, there's this like, I don't want to say fire, but this like intense him. Oh my God. You know, that sort of thought in my head. And I think if I fully forgave him in a completely happy world, (laughs) it might just, I don't know. I might, maybe it wouldn't trigger me as much if somebody brings him up or if somebody says, I'm sure in a couple of years, he might have a baby. I don't want to be like, Right. Oh God, of he course. brought a baby in this world. Like, I don't want to think that. Yeah, I want yeah, to be yeah. better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you don't want to like put any negative things out into the world towards this new human in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even his new wife, I have nothing to do with her. I don't want to like jinx yeah. their relationship. Or anything. Yeah, and I think that's really, I don't know what the word is, but that's really brave and kind of you to like actually have that awareness of like yep this person did a horrific thing to me that I still haven't recovered from fully but I still don't want to cause their current life any any drama or like yeah yeah maybe like maybe I'm just trying to be the bigger person (laughs) oh absolutely like I think yeah you're kind of amazing Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just like lot. reeling and trying to process everything you've just told me. And like, also, it's a lot to process. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Corner of the Universe. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Corner of the Universe Pod. I hope you're well, stay safe, and have a great week. <laughs>